Listener Production. Hi, I'm Helen McCabe, the founder of Future Women, a club for women to connect, learn and lead. In this series, we bring you some of the most thought-provoking speakers from our live events. One of the most difficult things for women is how to provide honest feedback. In this episode, we hear from Lizzie Sharpie. She's the Global Head of Design for Deputy, an Australian software company. And in this episode, she talks candidly about how to overcome the need to be liked while still being what she describes as fearlessly kind. Lizzie says being transparent in your feedback actually builds better relationships. But as she became more successful, she encountered office politics, jockeying over reporting lines, and came up against people who did not share her values. How she responded makes this one of my favourite talks of the series. Here's Lizzie Sharpie. So on the screen is my design team. I'll admit four people have been terribly photoshopped because it's near impossible to get us all in the same place at the same time anymore, but I really love my design team. When I look at this photo, I feel super proud. It reminds me of our team values. Collaboration, transparency, diversity, trust, kindness and self-awareness. These values, they didn't formalise overnight. They were formed out of my experiences, obstacles, failures, fears and feedback. I had to go through the process of discovering them. And now I try to use them every time I face an obstacle. They're the key to how I respond. Today I'll be sharing with you six obstacles I faced in my seven years at Deputy and how I transformed them into knowledge. But first, how did I get to Deputy? I like to break up my design journey into the three Ds. The dork years, the doom years, and the deputy years. I'm really embarrassed to admit this, but I got into designing interfaces because I wanted to design fan sites for Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Lord of the Rings. You don't get more nerdy than that. (laughs) I call the next phase of my life the doomed years because Every single company I worked at, whether I was a a cook, a waitress or a designer, went out of business or didn't pay me correctly. (laughs) But there was a time when I thought that maybe I was just a curse. (laughs) And I just found out the digital agency I worked at as a UI UX designer was going into liquidation when Deputy reached out to me. They wanted me to design their first mobile app. I was pretty psyched about the idea of joining Deputy. They'd made an app which supported businesses in managing and paying their employees correctly. Surely a company like this would pay me correctly and on time. (laughs) And they did, and they have every month for seven years. Six months into Deputy, I encountered my first obstacle. I went out to lunch and came back to find half the office empty. They'd been made redundant. Of course, everything was done well above board. But I no longer had a design boss, and I was the only UI UX designer at the company. My first thought was, the curse, it's back. But what I soon discovered was that this was the best thing for Deputy. For such a young company, we grew too fast, and we needed to scale back and realign on our mission. Once I got over my fears and apprehensions, I realised that I'd been given an opportunity the best opportunity of my design career. 
The co-founders saw something in me and they saw I could be more than just a designer, someone who could establish and grow our brand identity, which I would then end up doing for the next seven years. So with this opportunity, I eventually transformed into the global head of design. We with a team of 16 designers, now in Sydney, London, Atlanta, and soon Sanford. I led the design of an app that's being used by 95,000 workplaces globally. And just this last year, we raised $100 million, the biggest Series B raise in Australian history. I still kind of have to pinch myself about that one. <laughs> we well and truly transformed our obstacles into something amazing, and we grew stronger and wiser because of it. However, not long after the redundancies, I encountered my second obstacle. We needed to hire another designer to help me with my workload. This would be my first opportunity to coach and mentor, the first opportunity to lead the design team. My boss did the interviews and he found someone he thought was great. He invited me to the end of the interview. I was pretty nervous as I'd never interviewed before, but I was excited to see if we'd gel well or work well together. And I quickly found out we wouldn't. Every time I asked him a question, he looked away. He didn't look me in the eye and he only answered my boss. I thought this was pretty obvious, so when my boss said, can you start on Monday, I was really mortified, but I just smiled and went along with it anyway, and he started on Monday. And he was, as predicted, unwilling to work with me or collaborate with me. He was the first bad hire. When I tried to coach him or give him design feedback, he, he looked out the window and, and just ignored me. Thankfully, my boss finally observed this behaviour and one day he, he quietly told me to go home and he fired him. I discovered that I never wanted to work with anyone like this guy again <laughs> and I wanted designers on the team who were collaborative, eager to learn, transparent, trustworthy and kind. I just unofficially identified my values. And I had learned that I always would have to hire based on these values. And seven years, 16 hires later, we haven't had to let anyone in the design team go. I really admire Lissy's openness and vulnerability. She's encountered her fair share of obstacles in her career, but she's consistently made the best out of a bad situation and grown as a leader in spite of them. Delivering constructive feedback is an essential skill for leaders. So Lizzie talks us through when she realised that this was a vital skill for her to have as a good leader. Here's Lizzie. So after the first bad hire, I was way more careful with the way that I hired the next designers. And I managed to create a little team that was super collaborative and warm-hearted. There was only one issue. They were super eager to grow and learn, but I wasn't very good at giving feedback. I feared it. I'd built such great relationships with the people in my team that I was scared to hurt their feelings. When giving them design feedback, I was vague and non-direct. This meant that they didn't grow and learn as fast as they could have. Luckily, around this time, someone recommended the book Radical Candor to me. It made me realise that I'd created an environment where being nice was prioritised at the expense of critiquing and therefore improving actual performance. We were all quick to critique each other's love lives, but when it came to work, we were fearful of hurting each other's feelings. The advice in Radical Candor gave me the courage to try giving more feedback, and what I discovered was they loved it. 
So we set up creative feedback sessions so we could all feel comfortable critiquing each other's work. We set up weekly retrospectives where we shared what we liked and didn't like about the week. And we set up a weekly design team meeting where people had the opportunity to present their work and ask for suggestions from the team. The lesson I learned here was the importance of transparency, the importance of creating an environment of trust, which encourages feedback, critique and honesty. The importance of ensuring my team felt comfortable giving feedback kindly and directly to anyone, including me. Because we were all far more transparent in giving feedback and more collaborative, we were all more engaged and motivated and we worked better with other teams. And amazingly, the quality of our work elevated. This value of transparency was really important in the way I overcame my next obstacle. Politics. <laughs> as I started to grow in my leadership role, and as we started to scale as a company, I had to interact with more leaders and executives. New executives who thought my designers should report to them. People who weren't convinced by the capabilities of my team. People who tried to get me to report to them. Sometimes it felt like an episode of Game of Thrones. But what I learnt was, not everyone has the same values as me. Some people value power. Some are territorial. Some are more assertive. And some perceived me as too nice to be an executive. I needed to respond to the politics with the transparency and kindness we had encompassed within our design team. And I did. I've nurtured relationships with executives by being consistently authentic and true to my values. I was able to build trust by being kind when challenging people. And this is something Kim Scott talks a lot about in Radical Candor, the idea of challenging directly while caring personally. What I've also realised is, is that being kind doesn't mean being weak. In fact, I'm vowing to be fearlessly kind. Soon after this, I encountered another obstacle, blind spots. We did a company-wide employee engagement survey where we could all give feedback about how we thought the company was going and then feedback on our managers as well. I was pretty stoked to find out I topped the leadership section, but my eyes kept being drawn to this big red spot in the survey. I was blindsided. My designers had rated me poorly on action. I could sell the vision and get my team super excited about our goal, but I wasn't great at charting the course and execution. So what I discovered was I can't do everything. So I hired and then promoted someone who was brilliant at this, and the team have been far more motivated and efficient in meeting deadlines and delivering work ever since. So the lesson I learned here is that I needed to nurture diversity and inclusivity. I needed to have people with different strengths and weaknesses, people with different life experiences and backgrounds, ideas and opinions. And I'm proud to share that our team is wonderfully diverse and inclusive, but I know we can always be better. Now, the last obstacle I want to share with you is quite personal, and it's one I'm facing right now. I'm not in our executive team. This is something I felt quite challenging over the last six months. Often I felt like I can't make an important design decision because I don't have a C in front of my title. Sometimes I felt like the fact I'm not on the exec team means design isn't valued or we're not making a big enough impact to our customers. I'm one of only five people who report to our CEO, but I'm also the only one who isn't on our exec team of 12. 
What's funny is sometimes our office admins or exec PAs accidentally invite me to exec dinners because they think I am on the exec team and then they have to awkwardly and apologetically uninvite me. But maybe next time I'll just show up. I'm going li to act like the chief design officer I know I'm going to be. I'm going to make sure design makes an impact, an impact on our business, an impact on our customers' lives, and an impact on the future of the global workforce. I'm going to act like the fearless, kind, and influential chief design officer I know I can be. So the lesson I've learned through this obstacle is that I have to keep nurturing my self-belief and self-awareness. This is what I need to do to be a future women executive. Through all of this, I've learned that obstacles and failures are temporary. I shouldn't fear them. They're important because they give us an opportunity for discovery and transformation. And these six obstacles have transformed me. I've discovered I'm loving the failures, loving the feedback, loving the transformation, loving my team, and loving myself. I'm leading with love. Thank you. And remember, that was from one of our live events. And you can become part of the movement by signing up at futurewomen.com. The Future Women Leadership Series was presented by Helen McCabe, executive producer Jenny Goggin, sound production by Darcy Thompson. Thank you.